Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the the basement of a rat-filled apartment. <laughs> Everyone's coming from everywhere in their podcasts. Live from behind a, a bear, a liquor store on the uh, here and there. The Couch Masters. We come from the 57th floor of uh, Second Opinion Productions. Here at Esh, I like to rent out this uh, really dark, dingy basement. But everybody, welcome to the Issues Program. I'm Phil, the Issues Guy, from IssuesProgram.com. Thank you to the land of Esh for another wonderful year starting here. Most of my January was supposed to be busy doing other things, but those other things got messed up. So here I am. I'm also a part of another podcast, if you haven't checked it out already, called The Couch Masters. You can find it at Second Opinion Productions. If you Google Second Opinion Productions, you'll be able to find and locate all of that stuff. And also, if you look on Mixcloud for the, sound, for the Couch Masters. There's also a Twitch page where we're doing some live streaming. And if you go there right now, you can see uh, John C. Riley streaming some anime video game. I'm not telling you to leave my podcast, but my podcast will be here when you get back because it, it's, it's recording. I'm recording right now. So eventually, this podcast will be on another means. You'll, you'll actually be able to uh, pot it, to uh, take it down and listen to it when you want to listen to it. So if you want to go over and check out John C. Riley right now, you can do that on the Couchmasters Twitch page. I also been messing around with the YouTube streaming feature, doing some test runs with that. I might try to do a couple shows with YouTube on uh, live shows that way. They might be special shows similar to the way that I did the Breaking Bad podcasts where they're not necessarily associated to the main issues program. Because I notice when I listen back, as much as Ustream does have its issues especially with commercials and sometimes with loading in all the right places, the audio rate on Ustream is so much better than Google Hangouts. So if you... I don't have the greatest mic mic system in the world, the greatest interface on the planet, but it's pretty good to the effect of when you hear me now, I, as I can hear someone in the chats verifying it, I don't sound horrible. It sounds all right. It sounds pretty good. But if I was running on the other one, on on the Ustream, on uh, Google Hangouts through YouTube, it, it's very, it sounds, it sounds bad. It doesn't sound good. But I'm here, it's another year, it is 2014. Wow. I've been doing issues programs in some fashion for, I think this is my fifth year doing it. I think I started doing my first, uh, first radio show on WMWM back in 2009, I think it was. It was uh, it was late 2009, so it hasn't quite been five years. It was post. I, I want to say it was like November or December. Might have even might have been October. It was October, November, December of 2009 was the first uh, issues programs. So it's been five years, and in the last year, been a part of the land of Esh, and I could not be happy happy enough to be a part of such a great group of podcasts and video game and media reporters. Media members. Media, media members. People like King Baby Duck, Ninja Panda from Electric Sisterhood, those, the, two, the two queens of, uh, of this organization. I'm really excited for another year of being a part of this great organization. This year going out to PAX 
with representation of Esh and a lot of other things here and there, get actually getting my reporting, my my media credentials all ironed away. And above all that, and mixed with all that, doing the Couch Masters with my good pal and contributor as well to the Issues program forever, John C. Riley, as well with two other people, uh, D. Ray, Dennis Raymond, and Jesse Podwin, the artist of our group. So yeah, eventually I am going to have a lot more visual, oh, here I am, hi, hi, there I am, visually. (laughs) I will mess around with a lot of different other streaming platforms. I do have an issues program, the Issues Guy Twitch page, which as well as my Couchmaster duties on that page, I will be uh, doing some issues broadcasts from that Twitch page as well. So make sure you keep an eye out for that in this next coming year. We do a lot more a lot more twitching, a lot more videos I'm going to put out. Little random issues I have. I've been inspired by John C. Riley and his joke of the day. I have some issues I need to get out there. So making some sh- very short YouTube videos to go on my page here and there where like quick little bitches and rants. Instead of having a whole podcast up on YouTube, I'm thinking I'm going to take some minor parts of my rants that I go on on my show or that I've had in my pocket for a while and make little mini videos like one minute, two minutes tops videos of me bitching. <laughs> so that's that's one of the things that's uh, to look forward to in 2014 for the Issues program. Another thing, we will be doing more of the response to television shows and or other sorts of live situations on uh, on YouTube. And that's where I think I'm going to use the YouTube Google Google Hangout chats. Things like when, uh, when The Walking Dead second half of the season comes by, I'm really going to try to talk about The Walking Dead. It's not perfect, but there are a lot of people watching it, and there are a lot of people talking about it. So I want to get in there and do post-Walking Dead episode episode follow-ups. I haven't found someone to do it with me yet. If you're listening to this and you want to uh, do a weekly podcast post-Walking uh, Dead episodes on Sunday nights, definitely get in touch with me. You can email me at igetissuesman at gmail.com and we can organize that and we can see about you getting on the podcast and us doing a show together. I, I like that idea. The other thing I am definitely doing in April when it starts and hopefully try to get John C. Riley in on this over here in Issues Program, uh, do the Game of Thrones that's coming back in April. And in fact, that leads really good into a story that I have, (laughs) one of the first stories I'm going to talk about this week, about the Game of Thrones. The Game of Thrones trailer came out a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, and if you had a chance to see it, it gives you a lot of like little hints to what's going to be happening in this season. And if you're eagerly anticipating season four of Game of Thrones, and of course you are, April 6th premiere date is approaching. And it's really, really far away, but it's get, it's getting here. Now, we've all seen, anyone that's interested in this has seen the first trailer of the new season and the behind-the-scene. There's also a behind-the-scene featurette. So, But if that's not enough for you, a lengthy season four preview is on its way. There's a trailer. It's announced that on February 9th, 2014 at 8.45 p.m., just before the new episode of True Detective, an interesting show that I want to check out with Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey on HBO, but that's a different story altogether. HBO will air Game of Thrones, Ire and Feist, a foreshadowing. It's a 15-minute special that will look back on the show 
and forward to the new season, including clips for the up-and-coming episodes, behind-the-scene footage, interviews with cast and crew, and cast members answering viewer questions. Now, I'm really excited about this. I'm excited about everything Game of Thrones. This is the first year that I've truly been been a been a fan before the season is starting. Until then, up until then, I've been catching up on uh, some catch-up. <laughs> I've been catching up on uh, online via via HBO Go and things like that have been my ways of checking it out. And so I. And Game of Thrones is one of those shows that I said I wasn't going to watch until it was all said and done because I didn't want to have to do this. But finding out that the last book isn't even written and this show probably is going to go on for seven or eight seasons, I did not want to wait seven or eight years, maybe even longer, depending on if the book catches up with the movies and everything like that. Movies, I mean the television show. I... (laughs) I I don't I didn't want to have to wait. It's it's too much something that I'm very very interested in to to fully wait for the show to to wait for the show to finish before I start watching. I mean, there's certain programs like that that I felt like that was the most comfortable way of doing it. But I bursted and made it through all the old programs that I was into watching. So now I need new stuff. So here I am. I am I am doing a show. I will read it after. <laughs> yes, that is me responding live to people in that are chatting me that obviously don't know I'm recording a show right now or don't know that I'm listen don't know I'm doing a live program right now. Maybe you should listen to my show more often and then you can know when you write me. Definitely, yes, please do. Please do. Cool. (laughs) I'm saying cool. That is what happens when you talk to someone visually (laughs) while you're trying to record a show. A lot of messed up stuff happens. But that's what you got to deal with when you're dealing with a live program. You just have to deal with eventualities like that. Sometimes sometimes shit just happens. And who are you going to call? The Lego Ghostbusters. Now, if you listen to the Couch Masters, you know we had a very disgusting Lego story. We talked about it. What a woman, what a porn star would do for Legos. But today, I put out on my Facebook page, and you can find me at Phil W. If you're looking in the pictures there, add me away. Just search the issues guy, and you can add me on Facebook. Go ahead. Do it. And you don't need to stick to silly, stupid fan pages or groups that say you're my friend. If you want to add me on Twitter, I get issues, man. If you want to find me on Facebook, search, search the fill the issues guy or the issues slash guy. Eventually, I'll come up. Just try lots of different fucking shit. <laughs> and please, as I said, check out all my friends at the Land of Esh. Uh, the Boston Bass Brigade right now being called No Borders, No Race again for the podcast, The Land of Esh. Check out the EGM Now page that they're writing all their awesome journalistic crap for video games. And issuesprogram.com, as I mentioned. Also, the Couch Masters. Check out the Couch Masters on Twitter and on Twitch right now, as you can check out right while I'm talking. John C. Riley is broadcasting there on the Twitch page, making me jealous 
wishing I was broadcasting some vids right now. Not just simply talking to you. I want to talk to you while I play video games. It's such an interesting application of a device. <laughs> it's so much fun to do. But that also means I am going to attempt to do a lot more commentary videos as well. Unfortunately, I can't stream Netflix. I don't even know if I can capture it. So it might not be quite as easy to, to record uh, you know, like Star Trek type r- reviews. But we will see. We shall see. Speaking of Star Trek, Star Trek Food Replicator may soon be more science than science fiction. Back in May 2013, NASA, as it sets its sights on manned missions to Mars, revealed that it was teaming up with Systems and Material Research Company on a 3D printer that can produce food, and more specifically, pizza. The SMRC actually won uh, won a six-month, 1,200... 125,000 small business innovation research grant from NASA to explore the feasibility of utilizing 3D printed food for lengthy lengthy space operations. Austin, Texas is based SMRC led by senior mechanical engineer and founder, uh, this guy that has a name like contractor, went went off and created a 3D food printer that utilizes long-lasting powdered ingredients, individual vessels and containers containing powder and oil and heated plates on the printer bed, which whipped up a mini pizza in 12 minutes. Okay. Next step includes an FDA sign-off on the process. If it all pans out, I'm sure... It'll sure beat the freeze-dried stuff astronauts have been eating for decades, and the implications could go on to be greater. Consider these words in a statement from SMRC. By exploring and implementing technologies such as 3D printing, this may avoid food shortages, inflation, starvation, famine, and even the food wars. Now, I guess my question here... My question for you people out there in issues land that you can email me at igetissuesman at gmail.com if you have a question. Or you can call in. We have a phone number, 781-990-8509, 781-990-8509. Call on in and do that (laughs) if you want to do any of that stuff. My question is, do you think this would have the same results that – this, that happened in Star Trek. In Star Trek, when the food replicator was invented, or just the replicator in general, when that technology became the, became the norm, wars, famine, all problems in society ended because there was no urge for goods. There was no, there was no need to, to acquire things. And it happened on this planet, not in the world. There were plenty of races that still wanted to acquire things. Uh, namely the Ferengi, but like, but there's other races that were in, into gold and stuff. It seemed that that over utopian society of Earth was not the norm. It was more the more the specific a specific case of a something working was the Federation. The Federation were all the positives, all the great things, but but would this have the same effect in our society today? What would happen? I don't know. It's a little, I'm a little confused by all this because, because on one hand, I do think it might stop, it might stop hunger in some level, but then another part of me says that it wouldn't stop hunger. It would just, the people that sold these things would be, 
they wouldn't just hand them out like butter. You wouldn't see one on every street corner. You wouldn't see every single person getting one of these for free, basically. They would be char- they would be exorbitant fees, and the fees to fill up these machines with the freeze-dried ingredients would be even more expensive. I, I just don't see it being a being a path to enlightenment <laughs> like it was on Star Trek. So I I think these things could actually cause more problems than good, and it makes me need feel like I need to take drugs. Yeah, that's right. What kind of drugs? Nintendo. Yeah, no, this isn't a euphemism. People are actually getting high on a drug called Nintendo. A potent club drug bearing the name and logo of the famous Japanese company has been spotted by drug watchdogs in Belgium. It sounds like you get really, really high, too. Now, the drug contains a large dose of MDMA, ecstasy. It is cataloged as a new entry of Belgian early warning systems on drugs, along with a few similar drugs named for other knockoff brands, Mitsubishi, Superman, L, uh, Lion, Butterfly. Well, Butterfly isn't a brand. It's, uh, it's an insect. Well, well, anyways, my experience in the world of drug manufacturing brands itself as... Uh, it's, <laughs> From watching the television show The Wire. I'm reading this article, but I also have watched The Wire. But even I get a sense that this sort of brand piggybacking is a common for drug dealers looking to... Yeah, and, and in my experience, too, to talk about this real, back in my early days, I wasn't always a good, upstanding citizen. I fractured the occasional law when I was a child. It occasionally messed around with the world of drugs. Now... I have to say, in the world with uh, in the world of drugs, there was some aspects that 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 this sort of stuff did definitely did happen. I remember when back in the LSD days, back in the days when that was a popular drug, there was a Felix the Cat LSD drug, and all the different kinds of LSD that you would get would have different names, like Purple Haze or. Or Felix the Cat, or Sid Barrett, or whatever. And it made me feel like I needed to get to the gym for some help. I need to get to the gym for some help. So who to where do I go? Let's go to Gold's Gym. How's it going? How many miles are you running? Oh my god. Hi. <laughs> In an effort to promote health and well, basically, fitness, I'm going to play Howard, this guy, a physical fitness instructor who has become a regional manager for Gold's Gym. I'm Howard Kleiner. I'm here to help you. And we are doing all of this crazy stuff <laughs> to raise some money for something kind of serious, which is after-school programs. See you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Keep that up. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Hi, can I help you? I forgot my key card. What does a key card mean? You look like you're sweating a little bit. <laughs> Let me just take care of everything. Here, I have a towel. How's it going? Pretty good, thanks. Drinking a lot of water? That's good. Because remember, 75% of the body is water. Keep drinking. Okay, we're not finished yet with the water drinking. When it burns, it grows. Remember that. Maybe you saw me on the FBI most wanted list. You look pretty pumped up. Remember, we do everything in reps. So you've done two reps of water drinking. Usually <laughs> we do 10 reps of everything, so do another rep of water drinking. Go down a little further. 
You have elbows and you have knees, so touch them. Very nice. Stand up straight. Very good. And rep number seven. You stop being a baby. This is Gold's gym. This is not a baby gym. And ten. Very good. You did it. Give me five. That one. Ow. Why you hit so hard? I see some big guns back there. I had. Look at this. Come on now. Let's, let's, let's see the guns. Just remember, pull. We could really pull. I love what I see, and I see what I love. Don't laugh. This is a serious business. Now, most of the people that are watching this uh, definitely know who he is. There are a few people, like you can see in the video, that definitely are confused. And there are one, one person that, no bullshit, came out and said, I had no clue who it was. And they knew who Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Give me a break. If you hear that voice and you're not completely positive who that is, then you deserve to get your head bashed in because you're stupid. You need you need some education. You need some. You need to get the Cooperay that that uh, Dennis Hopper uses on the dumb Goombas in Super Mario Brothers the movie to give them intelligence. You need to take the stuff that the Gremlin took in Gremlin Two to to, to make him to give him a big brain. How can you not know that's Arnold? I do love this new. Uh, Arnold being back sort of thing. I, I find it very entertaining. And I think that he has a good sense of humor about himself. I feel like he should have gone into the situation with uh, Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey and done the Hans and Franz sketch and gone all Hans and Franz on their ass. But maybe that's because I'm old and I remember that sort of thing. I remember when there was going to be a Hans and the Franz movie. I kept waiting for that. It didn't happen. I think some of Dana Carvey's best characters got screwed in the whole Saturday Night Live movie department. I think a church lady movie back in the day would have been awesome. I would have, I would have totally gone to see a church lady movie. And even if it was one of those things like an Eddie Murphy type thing where he played the church lady and he played the other characters in the church uh, lady's family where he played all the characters, I think that would have been an awesome movie. I mean, I actually think that movie could probably still come out now and I would go and see it. But I might be the only one. What are some of uh, Dana Carvey's great characters? I mean, Garth. He got the Garth from the Wayne's, Wayne's World, Wayne and Garth thing. And I think if anything can help Dana Carvey make a comeback, it might be that. If they actually do a Wayne's World 3. That's probably the only thing that will save Mike Myers' career is what, at this point, too. I, I, hope, I hope he's realistically considering doing that. Because... I mean, ultimately, someone like Mike Myers, we've realized over time, it, his characters are all pretty familiar. I, I guess I just hope that he doesn't look at all the characters in his past and, and gloms on to Austin Powers to do a yet another Austin Powers movie to try to rekindle his career. Because I feel like Austin Powers is what killed his career. I think Mike Myers was on an interesting, interesting place coming off Wayne's World and then doing movies like So I Married an Axe Murderer and stuff, I, I think if he had gone more in that direction, maybe uh, left the Austin Powers movie where it was, possibly done a second one, not a third one. I mean, the Austin Powers movie wasn't a success in the theater. It was one of those rare cases, and there's a few movies like this, but it didn't happen too often, but that got popular from video rental. It's interesting to think about this now because it's a completely different age in movie consumption. I don't know if this could happen exactly in the way that it happened before. Um, especially in the sense, 
where I mean, I guess a movie could become really popular if people continuously stream it when it wasn't popular in the theater, but it's not the same thing in the sense of where a movie could do really, really well, really, really poorly in the theater and then really, really well in in distribution when it gets a good word of mouth on the street of of the movie itself after the fact. Austin Powers was the the greatest example of this because it did extremely poor in the theater to the point where no one had heard of it. <laughs> and then when it came out on videotape, it just got a really good buzz about it. It got a really uh, really positive attention from from just random people that were listening that were just talking about it and having pizza parties and having their friends over to sit down and watch Austin Powers. And it's like you tell your friend, you tell another friend, someone else rents it again, you just keep renting it, and it's a constant stream at the store. Not to mention people go out and buy the DVDs or buy the VHS cassettes. You don't have that anymore. The distribution net is distributing distributing it to, to like Netflix and to all the streaming services. So it's a completely different animal that a movie can't make the same kinds of successes. I mean, I can't even take... Um, I just want to take some really horrible comedy that that maybe I enjoyed that no one else did. I, you're not going to see sequels to that a few years down the road because it gets amazing uh, amazing DVD sales. I, I, you see it on with television shows more often than you see it with anything else now. On television shows that were popular at a certain point in time... Then, when they become more popular in DVD say, and excuse me, in streaming, then you see re-releases of them. You saw it in you saw it with Arrested Development was a very good example of that. I think you're also going to see it in the sense of why there's going to be another Star Trek movie, why you get individual programs being being broadcast specifically on Netflix, like shows shows like. Oh, hey, how's it going, man? Shows like uh, Orange is a New Black and oh my god, I'm blanking on the I'm blanking on it. Uh Lily ha- Lily Hammers and uh Arrested Development and uh, Joe save me here in the chat room of what the uh the political one with Kevin Spacey that I'm blanking on the name of right now. Game of Car Game of Co- not Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is different. We'll have the answer to you in about 10 to 15 seconds with the House of Cards. Game of Thrones, House of Cards. I want to play a fucking House of Cards. So the other night, I'll get back to talking about this television shit in a second, but the other night, this is a story specifically for you, Joe. I was playing a game of online poker, and I was doing very, very well. And then I passed out in bed, and I woke up, and somehow, even passing out, I came in second place. I woke up and and suddenly I'm like, bam! I woke up. I looked. I'm like, oh my god! I fell asleep with the computer on me. Look, what's going on? Second place. It was. It was. I was very, very happy with that specific house of cards. But what I was saying before you came on, and yeah, pretty amazing, huh? What I was saying before you came on was the sense of like a movie like Austin Powers was very, very did very poor in the theaters, and then got, and then got. Uh, positive attention for it after the fact and therefore propel the sequel. You don't really see that anymore with movies these days because DVD sales and that kind of distribution net is completely different. But you do see it with television shows. Yeah, 
it, it's it's you do see it with television shows. Uh, thank you, other listener. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I mean, you see it maybe with older movies that resurface their success, like a like what hence why there is a a outcry for sequels to Beetlejuice and Gremlins and things like that. But ultimately, ultimately, it is kind of a different world in the way that the medium works. I got I got on all of this by talking about how I how I feel like Dana Carvey got screwed with the Saturday Night Live movie. That's how I started on this complete rant. In the sense that I really wish that Dana Carvey got a uh, Church Lady movie. I feel like that would have been the vehicle for him. I I think I think Church Lady would be a perfect character. Uh, to let him do multiple characters of the family of the church lady. And I think that would have been a better move for Dana Carvey rather than going to that Opportunity Knox film that he did. I think he should have stayed more in the Saturday Night Live community and not tried to push himself so far away from some of the characters that made him big at the time. But that's just my opinion of Dana Carvey. And uh, Dreads out there in the chat room. I must tell you, I've got I got a uh, streaming device for video games, which means I could stream live gaming onto Twitch television. So you're gonna need to come by to uh, to play some games and help me on some two player type stuff. So we can uh, we can we can do that. And not to mention, also next Smash tournament, next game night will will be broadcast live to the internet, so they all can see. Ha 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 ha. So we will see about that. So I digress and I move on and I dance and I sing my dirty song. So yeah, that's how did I get from how did I get from Arnold? Oh, I and then I connected that because I was talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger doing the thing and wishing that they they did it as Hans and Franz. That is how that is how it how I did it. Now, guys, whoops, gotta go back, go back. Go back to that room. Go back to the chat room, Sunshine. Do it. I want to click on this news story right here. <laughs> now, the password, there's a new most popular password in the world right now. Now, what do you think it is, listeners? I'm curious. I'm curious what you think the new most popular password of all time is. It replaced... <laughs> It was uh, the, in what only can be described as an improvement in the feeblest sense of the word, internet users in 2013 <laughs> eh, eh, changed their top password from, what was, what was the top password for all the more, more recent years? The, mo- the most popular password for the recent years has been, get this, the word password. That's it, the word password. Now, the word password has been moved down to number two on the list. Something has replaced it as the most popular password. Now, that can be, it can be called as sort of an improvement. It is one, two, three, four, five, six. That's right. It's one, two, (laughs) three, four, five, six. That's not a password. That's something that an idiot would use on his luggage. Give me a break. You're telling me that that is as creative as you can get with a password. I want to just start trying to hack into people's bank accounts right now. Simply to see how many idiots use 12345 as their password. <laughs> 
Is it that difficult to come up with a... I'm, I mean, I can't lie. My passwords aren't easy. They aren't obvious things. I put all different weird passwords. And then I get paranoid about the fact and don't want to write them down anywhere. I'm like, oh, I could write them all down and put them in a safe place. But then I get kind of paranoid about that, that someone's going to find that. God forbid that someone breaks into my house or breaks into my car, or breaks into somewhere, steals some of my shit, and gets the, gets the big password key. Then I thought about doing it in an algorithm or some sort of weird code so that I could, only I could figure it out. But that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> so I just try to commit them to memory. I try to have a couple of rotating weird ones that I rotate in and out. And, and switch them every couple of months to completely different passwords. But that causes some problems in certain situations when I go to emails or, or accounts that I haven't used in a while that I need to re-log into. Because a cookie saved on my computer so I don't have to enter the password in every day. So eventually something gets reset. I reset my computer, clear all my catcher, all that stuff. So I need to enter stuff in for the first time again. And sometimes that's months that I wait. I'm giving way too much information about my computer activities. But whatever. It's not like I have anything. Yeah, you want you want 50% of my 50 cents? You can take you can take a quarter from me, guys. I will will podcast for food. <laughs> so, it so it doesn't really matter. But I do forget the passwords, and then I have to go through the whole process of resetting them and remembering codes. And then sometimes I forget the little secret messages that I have to let in. It's a big clusterfuck. So needless to say, I understand people's propensity to want to do stupid passwords like one, two, three, four, five, six. I just think you're stupid. <laughs> I just think you're a butt of a Spaceballs joke. And there's some things in life that just never change. And, and one of which is Mel Brooks's humor is top of the line. And uh, I was just reading what Joe wrote. You're absolutely right, Joe. Sometimes the best bet in, in online poker tournaments when you're playing online is just, especially if you win a couple big hands early on, just sit out because, because ultimately people will, will not be able to outweigh you of just sitting there. They'll, they'll, get, they'll get antsy and they'll have to make plays and then usually get busted. And that's what happened. Uh, I rewatched all the hands. Other people were making moves on the big stack instead of just waiting for me to blind out and then making their moves and assuring themselves the cash. And I know you want to win and you should play poker to win, not to cash, but I, I mean, I play to win. But I feel like I win better when I know that I've already made the money. So once I make the money, I consider myself in a no-lose position, and then I can really take some chances and really play strong. But that's just me. That's just my, that's just my strategy. Not everyone has the same. And there's no good or bad, folks. That's what, that's what makes poker awesome. There's no good or bad strategy. Do you know what I love about poker? I love the game aspect of, the, of poker. It's more than just, it's more than just like the gambling. If it was just gambling, I would probably play blackjack. I, I get more, I get off more, so to speak, on, 
on gambling if I'm gambling in that way. Poker to me is a game. It's the it's the I want to beat you in the same way I want to beat someone in a game of basketball when I'm playing one on one or playing in a game of basketball against people, or I want to beat somebody in a video game when I'm playing them in a competitive competitive type game. I want to win. I want to I want a game. When I'm playing. I don't really think about it in the gambling end. In fact, when I do the best at poker is when I is when money's completely out of my mind, which hence is why I tend to do better in poker tournaments than I do in in uh, cash games because it's too connected to the actual stack of money. When you when you buy into a tournament, you're playing a game. You're you're buying your ticket to, to the to the train that you're gonna dance on. The train you're gonna dance on? I don't know. You know what I mean. You're you're buying your ticket to to paradise. It's it is. It's a great one-on-one competition against anybody. It's a good it's a good logic mindset game that you're playing, especially when you get into certain stages of a tournament and the strategy that different people implement. There's a lot of luck that goes into poker, but there's a lot of opportunity and knowing when the best time to pull out your troops is in a similar way as risk in a sense of when is it when is it safe to risk when are you putting yourself in the best odd situation to win that particular situation sometimes that can be without cards sometimes that can be betting on the other person to fold not necessarily betting on what the action in the game is so it's so there's lots of different elements that go into it the gambling just the gambling for money aspect of it 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 revolves a lot around around luck in weird sort of situations and a lot of challenge. If you want to just play a game for money that you can get decent odds, learn how to play craps or play blackjack. Those are the games just for money to me. And it's not that – and again, it's not that I don't have a good percentage of success when I sit down to play poker. That's not the case. If I'm sitting in tournaments and I actually put the time and effort in, it, but it's very – involved it's it's i mean you can build up the stimulus to it and do it multiple times and that's how professionals make themselves as professionals it's not even necessarily the style of which they play in a single game i'll put myself up against a professional poker player and and i'm not gonna say i'm gonna win but put me in a tournament with them i have a chance but but could i sit down for a 20-hour session of poker could i play uh, four or five tournaments in a row back to back not without endurance testing myself if I just stepped into that right now I would suck I would be awful <laughs> and everyone for themselves better role yeah it is, it is in a sense but but if I if I tried to if I tried to sit down for a 20 hour poker session and play to play like six poker tournaments in a row multi-table tournaments bam 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 or one of those three-day tournaments right now the way that the way my mind is programmed I would be I would need a couple of weeks or a couple of months of doing that to build up to where my game could compete at that level and it isn't about the way I play. It's about building up that, that endurance, I think, if I'm being realistic. Good or bad, that's a different story. I mean, the strategy of playing is my strategy of playing. And I think if I implement my strategy, I have, I have a decent chance of winning. I think all the players that I play with, uh, Joe Dreds is in the chat room right now, uh, all of us that have like a great, uh, pretty much his whole family, <laughs> that, all, that all can play, I think would could compete on that level, but it's the it's the hours you have to put into it. 
it's it's all that time. Uh, uh, Joe uh, Dreads, who's in the room's father, is probably one of the best poker players I've met when he's when his mind's in the game. But I've been at many a tournament with him, uh, bigger money tournaments, not just the home games, where where he decides to just mentally check out because he doesn't want to put he doesn't want to sit there for another ten hours. So he's like, eh, I don't want to calculate the odds of winning versus wanting to sit here for ten hours. Eh, eh, I'll go all in uh, king seven suited because I thought I was gonna hit the flush. You know, and I mean, I like I've been that way with tournaments too. I can't lie. You get to the point at the end of a tournament where you're like, Ugh, do I really want to play the end of here? I'm gonna gamble crazy. I'm gonna do some crazy shit. It's the endurance. You need to get. You need to build up your the endurance tests on this. I was saying this before uh, when you got disconnected for a second, Joe. But I got a live streaming video game device. This thing called the Elgato uh, HD video streamer. So I can stream live video games onto uh, different internet platforms uh, through pretty much any of the uh, machines I have or the game gaming systems I have, including Smash Brothers and lots of other stuff. So I'm going to need your help to come over here uh, as soon as possible at certain times to do some ga- live uh, online gaming with me where we can uh, talk about what's going on. And, and obviously the next game night will be broadcast live onto, uh, live onto the internet for anybody to watch the Smash Brothers tournaments. But back to Dana Carvey. <laughs> Somehow, this whole conversation started with Dana Carvey. Started with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Went to Dana Carvey. Went to Mike Myers. Went to poker somehow from there. <laughs> and now is circling, circling around in the back again. Interesting case of uh, silliness. So let's get back. China cloning on an international industrial scale. You heard the squeals of the pigs long before reaching a set of long blah, 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 blah. Basically, they are legitimizing. They are, uh, they are doing a lot of cloning of pigs. <laughs> it's happening a lot, and it's, they hap- they're doing it at an enormous uh, success rate. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> I guess I'm okay with it as long as it if – it's, if it's a way to get to the point where we can – where we can do organs and allow people to survive and live longer, and I can more personally that I can live longer with parts of my body that are me, or maybe even in a sense cloning myself and raising myself to a certain age like a clone soldier, and then implanting my brain into the new clone, so therefore I can have immortality. <laughs> I think this is a Good hope. I think, I think this is something I should shoot for. Listen, I was talking about this on my live stream of Super Mario Brothers on the Couch Masters Twitch page yesterday. So if you want to, please go and check that out. If you need to stop me, if I go rogue, this might be one of those cases where I get all Raja Ghoul on you and, and need to constantly clone bodies so I can jump into the next body and live forever. I'm not saying, okay, I would do this. <laughs> I would do it. I can't lie. I can't lie. The way I think about it right now, I would do it. I would do anything to not have to face the, uh, the fiery pits of hell. But that's just me. <laughs> that's just how I want to live my life. 
We uh, talked about, uh, I have a lot of old stories that I was going to talk about a couple weeks ago, but, but shit came up so I couldn't do shows. Uh, there's a Breaking Bad super fan arrested for going Eisenberg. A Breaking Bad fan in, guess where, Florida, who watched the series finale on AMC's meth drama with the show casts, uh, with the show. In the, he won, was one of the guys that won that contest to watch the final episode with the cast, has been arrested for perhaps mimicking the show's characters a bit too much. Florida uh, Richard Lee Carroll, who attended the Los Angeles screening of the Breaking Bad finale in, in September at Hollywood's Forever Cemetery, won a contest sponsored by the series star Aaron Paul. He was arrested uh, a, like a month ago in charge with multiple drug charges. Uh, Carroll, 28, has been charged with possession of synthetic narcotic and possession of controlled substances, both felonies, along with misdemeanor charges and blah, blah, blah. Listen, if he said his quote was, if you start watching the show, you can't stop. It's highly addictive, just like the meth on the show. So it made me want to start doing meth and live that life. Oh, my God. If this if if someone turns this around and starts blaming media and blaming television for this, I'm going to puke because it's idiots like this that jumped out buildings when they saw Mary Poppins do it. And I think our society needs to weed out these people. I think that it just needs to be the natural selection of it. <laughs> that would make me happy. Uh, Courtney Love, who uh, we reported on the Issues program about, uh, about getting brought up in charges for tweeting something negative about her lawyer, fortunately won the case because I feel like if she didn't, that would open up a really nasty can of, can of worms. Flavor Flav also got arrested for speeding in pot. Can we stop arresting people for pot? <laughs> That's we. I showed this a while ago. I, I put the story out. Uh, mysterious rock was found on uh, by the Mars rover. Really weird, mysterious rock. If uh, if you get a chance, Google mysterious rock found on Mars. I don't have it set up right now for a visual. It's it's pretty weird. It looks really strange. It looks like some space debris. On uh, that that looks unnatural because partially because of the color because it's like it's bright white, so it 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 clashes with the uh, the red sands of Mars. A nun gave birth to a baby boy, so someone's been doing some nun fucking. An ancient uh, D D twenty die emerges from the ashes. We I, I talked about that a little while. On uh, Country Masters podcast, that's pretty interesting. So I think that's about it. I think uh, it's time to time to wrap things up this week, and uh, and go home. <laughs> time to go home. I don't want to go home. It's time to do it. Where? Oh, I I fucked this up. Social stream. Kick there. So let's kick in the music and talk about our final issue of the day. Kick me some more. Music. Oh, yeah. Final issues of the day. Now, more students are caught snorting Smarties candies. (laughs) I don't feel like I can say anything or add to this story, except there's a million jokes that pass through my mind about only idiots snort Smarties, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. But really, ultimately, these people are just fucking morons. And people have been doing this forever. And if anybody thinks this is just starting now is sorely mistaken. I think you need to uh, recognize that as long as people have been able to crush things up, they've been snorting them up their nose. 
Everybody, thank you for tuning into this week of the Issues Program. I'm Phil, the Issues Guy. Check out all my stuff, my news stories, and past podcasts on issuesprogram.com. You can call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 781-990-8509 to leave your grievances, your problems, or just say hi. You can also email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at igotissuesman. Check out all my friends at the Electric Sisterhood ESH. Check out their live podcast, their live podcast, their weekly podcast. Check out King Baby Duck and the Boston Bastard Brigade and his weekly podcast, No Borders, No Race. Check out Geek Argo for a lot of awesome music that's coming your way. And they're my friends from the land of Ash. And not to mention, check out my Couch Masters. I'm also part of a website and an organization called the Couch Masters from Second Opinion Productions and Jace Down Studios with my good friend John C. Riley, the Couchmaster General. I'm over there with him, Dennis Raymond, D-Ray, and Jesse Potwin. We are doing some live streaming on the Twitch page, and we also do a weekly podcast. Also going to be coming out with some videos. The return of the series One Versus One will be there, and all the old episodes will be uh, chopped to bits and resurface over there. So keep an eye out for all that stuff. Please check out my Couchmaster stuff, and please check out all my friends at the Land of Ash. And I will talk to you guys next week for another Issues program. Later.